Good morning, and welcome to the Word of Life Radio Bible Study, presented by the Southwest Church of Christ, Austin, Texas. Holding forth the Word of Life to present all people perfect in Jesus Christ. And now your host, Cody Westbrook. Good morning and welcome to the Word of Life Radio Bible Study, brought to you by the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. I'm Cody Westbrook, your host and preacher for the Southwest Congregation. Did you know that the Bible is the best-selling book in all of the world? There are an estimated 6 billion copies of the Bible in existence, and the Bible has been translated into approximately 2,500 different languages. A recent Barna survey suggested that 88% of adults in the United States of America own a Bible, and of those who own a Bible, they average about three separate copies of the Bible in their homes. And that doesn't take into consideration, of course, the Bible apps that we have on our iPhones and iPads and other electronic devices as well. Now, those numbers are very encouraging because they tell us that the Word of God is plentiful, that there are plenty of people who own copies and have access to a copy of the Word of God basically whenever they need it. But let me ask this question. How many people actually realize what it is that they hold in their hands? It's one thing to own a Bible. It's one thing to have the Bible maybe on your Android or your iPhone. But do you understand what it is and why it's so valuable? 79%, according to Barna, of United States of adults view the Bible as sacred And if you remember the number a minute ago, that means almost 10% of adults in the United States who own the Bible don't view it as a sacred book. 37% of of the adults who own a Bible actually read it at least once every week. And 5% believe that the Bible contains everything a person needs to know to live a meaningful life. Now those numbers paint a far different picture. It is encouraging that there are over 6 billion copies and that 88% of adults in the United States own a Bible, but only 5% of adults in the United States believe that the Bible contains everything a person needs to know in order to live a meaningful life. That, friends, is alarming to say the least. You see, when we realize what the Bible really is, when we come to understand what it is that we hold in our hands— There really is only one appropriate reaction, and that reaction is awe. We should stand in awe of the Word of God, and we should stand in awe of it for a number of reasons. Because of its author, because of the God who wrote it, because of its power, the power that the Scriptures have to change our lives, and because of its nature, what it is as the inspired Word of God. The 119th Psalm is the longest chapter in all of the Bible, and this particular psalm is entirely dedicated to an an exalting of God's Word. Do you know what David said in Psalm 119 about the Word of God? He said in verse 72, "...the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver." In other words, the Bible was more valuable to him than money. In Psalm 119 and verse 103... He said, um, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The Bible, God's word, was sweet to his taste. 
In verse 105, he said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It was light to his darkness. In verse 24 of this same, uh, of this same psalm, the psalmist says, Your testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. The word of God is a good counselor, and it does produce delight. In verse 111, he said, Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. The word of God brought joy to the psalmist. And then in verse 161, listen to what David says. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. This morning, we want to think for just a little while about standing in awe of the word of God and the reasons why we should stand in awe of the Word of God, just like the psalmist in Psalm 119 and verse 161. Let's bow our heads together for a word of prayer, and then we'll continue our study. Dear God in heaven, we thank you so much for the day that you've given us and for the opportunity that you've given us to study your Word this morning. Help us to grow in our understanding and in our appreciation of your Word. Help us to love it and treasure it and value it more than anything else in this world. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. First, we should stand in awe of the Word of God because of its author. Because the Word of God is inspired by God, we are literally reading the words of the one who created the heavens and the earth and the universe and everything that's in it. 209 times... In 171 verses of Psalm 119, the personal pronoun, your, appears. 209 times in 171 verses, the psalmist makes clear, this word is your word, not mine, not any man's. It is God's word. Now, the Bible is here, and some people, of course, question about where it came from. Who wrote it? There are really only two options. Either man wrote the Bible or God inspired or wrote the Bible. But the reality is that man never could have written it if he would have and would have never written it even if he could have. The overwhelming conclusion is that God is the author of the Bible and, as a matter of fact, the Bible claims divine authorship over 2,700 times throughout its pages. Let me say that again. Over 2,700 times from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible claims to be the Word of Almighty God. Let's look at some of those passages. In 2 Samuel 23 and verse 2, David wrote this, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. In Isaiah 51 and verse 16, the prophet said, And I have put my words in your mouth. That's God speaking to Isaiah. I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, You are my people. In Jeremiah 1 and verse 9, the scripture says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. What do we learn from these three passages? David, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Were they writing and speaking words that they originated? No, not at all. They were writing and speaking the words of God. 
In the New Testament, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, and in this passage, the Apostle Paul talks about the inspiration of the Word of God. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, he says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things which we, uh, we, we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but in which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In this context, the, the Bible is telling us that no one knows what's in the mind of God. We don't have the ability to read His mind. The only way we know what's in God's mind is if He reveals that to us. And listen, that's exactly what the Bible is. We are literally reading the mind of God in print as we hold the Bible in our hands and as we read through its pages. We are reading the thoughts of the Creator. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you. In 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty seven, Paul said, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write to you are the commandments of God. So we have Old Testament and we have New Testament Scripture. We have claims of inspiration in the Old Testament and claims of inspiration in the New Testament. The Bible tells us unequivocally and without any shadow of doubt that it is the product of the Creator. Listen to 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. In 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, Peter said this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The point of these two verses is this. No prophecy of Scripture came into existence as the result of the writer's own intellect. The men who wrote the words of Scripture did not originate the words. They did not come from their minds. It originated by men of God who were born along, literally that's the idea of the word, by the Holy Spirit. God inspired these men to write His words, not theirs. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly furnished unto every good work. The Bible is the Word of God. We ought to stand in awe of the Bible because of its author, because its author is God. And not only does the Bible tell us that God is uh, the author, But the Bible also tells us things about God. In fact, think about this for a moment. What do you know about God that you learned outside of the Bible? The answer is nothing. We know nothing about God that we haven't read from the Scripture, from the Word of God. That's 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 11. In Amos 3, 7, the prophet said, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He reveals His secret unto His servants, the prophets. The Scripture reveals to us the character of God. For example, the Bible tells us that God is love, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. The Bible tells us that God is gracious. In fact, He is described as the God of all grace in 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. The Scripture tells us about God's faithfulness in Hebrews 10, 23. He is faithful that promised. The Bible tells us that God is just, 
Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. You see, in Scripture, I learn who God is. I learn that He cares for me, that He loves me. I see all of the great things about Him and what He has done for me. And so I can stand in awe of the Word of God because I stand in awe of God. We should stand in awe of the Bible because of its author. Because its author is our Creator. But secondly, we should stand in awe of the Bible, of God's Word, because of its nature. In Psalm 119 and verse number 89, again, in speaking about the Word of God, the psalmist said, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. The Word of God is eternal. It is settled in heaven. The Bible says in Psalm 19 and verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. In Psalm 33, verse 4, the Scripture says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. At Titus 1 and verse 2 tells us that God is perfect and cannot lie. Try as you might, you will never find a single flaw, inconsistency, or error in God's word. It is perfect, Psalm 19. It is right. It is truth. Psalm 33, and it is written by a perfect God who absolutely cannot lie. Titus 1 and verse 2, His word is infallible, but His word is also all-sufficient. Remember 2 Timothy 3 verse 17? The Bible tells us in verse 16 that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, but in verse 17, the Bible tells us that it is profitable or useful for reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished to every good work. In 2 Peter 1.3, the Bible tells us that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us unto glory and virtue. You see, the Bible has the answer to all of life's problems. The Bible contains everything we need to know to be saved and to stay saved. That's the idea of His Word being infallible and His Word being all-sufficient. The infallibility of the Bible means there are no mistakes or errors. The all-sufficiency of the Bible means that it gives us everything we need in order to please God and go and be with heaven, uh, go and be in heaven with Him for eternity. So many people in the world today say that somehow we need uh, other help. Maybe they claim direct uh, revelation or inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Maybe they rely on philosophies or opinions of men. But the Bible says that those things are not real. But rather, the Bible, the Word of God, that is the only thing, the exclusive means by which men can be made spiritually mature and by which we might be able to stand right with God whenever we obey its teachings. But the Word of God, not only is it, not only is it uh, infallible, and not only is it um, all-sufficient, uh, but also God's Word is eternal. Psalm 100 and verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. That means that it doesn't matter how many years go by. It doesn't matter what, how advanced technology becomes. 
the Word of God will absolutely be 100% applicable to every human being for all time without question. In Isaiah 40 and verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my word will not pass away. Matthew 24 and verse 35. God's word is applicable to every person, in every place, in every generation, and it will even exist throughout eternity. God's word is indestructible. We read about a man by the name of Jehoiakim in Jeremiah chapter 36 who didn't like something that the Word of God said, and so he took out his penknife and he cut it up. He cut it away and he threw it in the fire. But that didn't negate the indestructible nature of the Word of God. There have been men throughout history like Diocletian and Voltaire and others who have tried to destroy the influence of God's Word, but they have all failed. We must stand in awe of the Bible because of its nature, because it is infallible, because it is all-sufficient, because it is eternal, because it is indestructible. And then number three, we must stand in awe of God's Word because of its power. Eleven times in Psalm 119, the psalmist asked God to give him life, and that life-giving is connected to the Word of God. There is power in God's Word. We read about the power of God to create in Genesis 1, verse 1 to 3. And God said, let there be light. We read about the power of God's Word generally in Jeremiah 23 and verse number 29. Is not your word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? But the Bible also tells us that it is God's power to save. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said, because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In James 1.21, it's called the perfect law of liberty. The words of God are words that give life. The name of this radio Bible study is the Word of Life Radio Bible Study. And the reason why we call it the Word of Life Radio Bible Study is because we are studying the words that come from God, and these words have power to give life. Jesus said in John 6, verse 63, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. God's Word has the power to save. It has the power to change us and transform us. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It has the power to save us. It also has the power to tear down. Jeremiah 1, verse 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It really doesn't matter what the idea or the doctrine or the tradition or philosophy is that man may come up with. God's Word has the power to destroy to destroy that every time. God's Word will be left standing when the Word of man crumbles and falls. The Word of God has the power to tear down, to defeat error, and to defeat lies, and to defeat deceit. But you know what? God's Word also has the power to build up. We read Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9 just a moment ago, but listen to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10. 
In verse 9, we read about the Word of God having the power to tear down. But in verse number 10, we read that it also has the power to build and to plant. In Acts 20, in verse number 32, Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. We must build one another up in the most holy faith, Jude in verse 20 says. You see, the word of God is our most powerful possession, and it ought to be our most prized possession. We ought to stand in awe of God's word because of its power, the power to save, the power to tear down, the power to destroy, but also the power to plant and to build, and to help produce growth. In John 12 and verse 48, Jesus said, The word that I have spoken, that word will judge you in the last day. As we think about the Bible and what it is, we simply cannot help but to stand in awe. We hold in our hands the mind of God, and this is a blessing, and we should treat it as such. The word of God is going to judge us, though, And so we also need to be mindful of it and respectful of it because of that fact as well. That's the end of our time this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Remember to check out our website, www.swcfc.org. We are quickly uh, coming to the end of this year, which will serve as the end of the Word of Life Radio Bible Study. But we are working on a Word of Life podcast. And so we look forward to being able to say more about that as the time draws near. Thank you for joining us today. Please check out our website. Please come and visit with us at the Southwest Congregation as you have opportunity. Our worship time and contact information and location will be provided momentarily. Come and be with us again next week, Lord willing, as we open up the Word of God and study more of the wonderful Word of life. Thank you for joining us today on the Word of Life Radio Bible Study. You're cordially invited to join us at the Southwest Church of Christ for Bible class this morning at 9.30, worship at 10.30, and again at 6 this evening. We also meet at 7 p.m. on Wednesday evening for Bible class. If you would like to have a copy of today's program, please write or call us. We're located at 8900 Manchac Road, Austin, Texas, 78748. You can call us at 512-282-2486 or find us on the web at www.swcofc.org. We hope you will join us again next Sunday morning as we continue our study of God's Word.